Thanks for listening to the Cool Church Podcast. We're praying that wherever you are on this journey, that this message encourages you. And we wanted you to know that you were created out of love. And now, here's today's message with our very own Pastor Terrence Wilson. If you got your Bibles, I want you to turn to 1 Samuel um, chapter 16. Uh, starting at verse 10. 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 10. Um, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, if you're looking for it, it's in your Old Testament. Um, yeah, so 1 Samuel uh, 16, verses 10 through 13 starting this brand new series called Breathe, and it reads something like this. Jesse had seven of his sons pass before Samuel. But Samuel said to him, the Lord has not chosen thee. So he asked Jesse, are these all the sons you have? There was still a youngest, Jesse answered. He is tending the sheep, Samuel said. Send for him. I love this. Underline this. We will not sit down until he arrives. Love that. We will not sit down until he arrives. I love that. I love it because Hanai is standing up. See, Hanai, old school. She she like me in old school church when somebody reading the word, you stand for the reading of God's word. So I ain't mad. She said, I am not going to sit down until it's the right time. I love that, sis. We will not sit down until he arrives. So he sent for him and had him brought in. He was glowing with health and had a fine appearance and handsome features. Then the Lord said, rise and anoint him. This is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. Underline this and never forget this. And from that day on, the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. And from that day on, the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. That's a good place to say amen. Amen. If you want to take notes on this first message in this new collection of talks, a series called Breathe, you can entitle it this. From this day forward. From this day forward. Father God, I thank you. I thank you for this day. Because this is the day that you have made, God. May we rejoice and be glad. And God, I thank you that before the earth began to spin on its axis, you knew each and every person that was going to be in this place today. God, I pray that I lie down as you rise up. Don't let these words be my own, but let them come directly from your throne room of grace. Open hearts, minds, and ears to be open and receptive to a word that will always and only be about Jesus. He's the only message I've got. God, I can't do this without you, and I don't want to. So, God, I pray that somebody gets a revelation of your spirit, a revelation of your son, a revelation of you that they've never gotten before. I pray these things, and I pray for the one that needs this word the most. Pray that somebody gets saved before this is all said. Pray that in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Everybody said? Take about five seconds to give Jesus some praise one more time. Come on. Oh, you can do better than that. He's just the alpha and the omega. The beginning, the end, the first, 
the last, the creator, the redeemer, the sustainer. He is God. He is Jesus. He is the Holy Spirit. He is one in three. He is three in one. He is everything. He's the great I am. He's everything you need him to be when you need him to be. If you believe it, why don't you give him a shout? Amen. Amen. Oh, man, I'm so excited about this season that we're going into as we talk about the Holy Spirit. We're going to talk about the Holy Ghost. <laughs> Start talking about the Holy Ghost in church. Some people are like, I'm going to invite my friends next week <laughs> when they're done talking about this stuff. Because if I could be honest, like, the Holy Ghost has such a taboo around it. Like when we start talking about the Holy Spirit, I, I can see people like butts start clenching up in, in, in seats. Like, oh, they about to get crazy today. <laughs> Sister Edna gonna do a backflip down the aisles and bite piece of the pew off. Like, this is not an episode of Martin, okay? <laughs> this is not Mama Payne. <laughs> like, People start, like, people start to get, like, they start to get terrified when they think of the Holy Ghost. I'm going to listen at my core. This is a non-denominational church, okay? We believe in Jesus. I want you to know that. But if I had to personally lean anyway, I am a Pentecostal uh, by nature. I grew up that way. I believe in the Holy Ghost. I believe in the Acts chapter 2 church where the, the apostles were up in an upper room, and they prayed. Jesus says, wait, the comforter is coming. I'm going to empower you, and you're going to spread my message in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. The Holy Ghost comes. The Bible says that it was a sound like that of a violent rushing wind that comes into the room. They were sowing a sound with their prayers, and they reaped a sound from heaven, and they began to speak in tongues, utter other languages, heavenly languages, and other languages of the earth that were not familiar to them that they were not accustomed to. And the Bible says that when you speak in tongues, you are praying the perfect prayer to God. The enemy cannot decipher these prayers. Nobody else may know what you're saying, but God knows exactly what you are praying because when you pray in tongues, you are praying the will of God. The, not just the will of God, the perfect will of God. In the last days, I will pour out my spirit among flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Uh, 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 young men will, will see visions. Old men will dream dreams. I believe that with everything in my core. And I think oftentimes there's so much taboo around the Holy Ghost. People get scared to talk about the Holy Ghost and they get scared when churches preach messages about the Holy Ghost because they've heard ghost stories. Your ghost stories, man. Ooh, somebody got the Holy Ghost and they was uncontrollable and crap. No. The gifts of the prophet are subject to the prophet. When you catch the Holy Ghost, one of the fruits of the Spirit is self-control. God will not allow you to flail around aimlessly without your control. Whatever you do is a manifestation that you choose to do. It's not going to take all, like, you're not going to get possessed when you have the power of the Holy Spirit. That's not what happens. That's not even biblical. 
It's not biblical. But there is a power that is attached to it. And I know that as I even talk about it, you know, you know, some, some preachers here talk about it, it's like, oh, it's their first time. Don't give me the Holy Ghost, it's their first time. I'm like, well, when is ever there going to be a good time? People, new people come in every week, okay? So you, you might as well get baptized today, okay? <laughs> but people get, people get scared of it um, b- b- because of the, of the taboo around it. But here's, 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 here's something that, that I got to say. It's like you got to either believe in all of this or none of it. You can't just pick the pieces you like. Like, and here's, if I could just be blunt about this entire thing. Everything that we believe as Christians is crazy. Yep. <laughs> who, who here, who here uh, believes that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior? Just raise your hand. I just need to see a show of hands. You might feel awkward if you don't believe and you're just like, let me just raise my hand because everybody else in the room. Right? That's fine. That's fine. Okay. It's okay. God knows your heart. Okay. Okay. So if everybody that raised their hand was true here and online, and you believe that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, can I tell you exactly what you believe? Because I think sometimes you need to hear it. You say, the Holy Spirit is crazy. Well, let me tell you what you believe. By saying that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, you admit that you believe that God is a being in heaven that breathed stars into existence. I said in the the beginning. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. You believe everything that ever existed was spoken into existence. Not only do you believe that, you believe that that creator God wrapped another part of himself in flesh and called it his son, Jesus, and sent him to earth, a king in the form of a baby. You believe that. If you say Jesus, not only do you believe that, what you believe is even crazier because you believe that this baby did not come by natural causes. You believe in immaculate conception, that this baby impregnated this woman through the third part of the Godhead by the power of the Holy Spirit. You believe that, that, that Mary and Joseph went on Maury Povich and Maury told Joseph, you are not the father. And he said, that's what I've been trying to tell y'all all along. You believe that. You believe that this baby who was God, who was a king, was so humble that instead of being born to a throne, he was born in a Amongst the animal feces, how humble can you get? You believe that he grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. You believe that when he was 12 years old, he went into the temple and now Phariseed all the Pharisees. That's how smart he was. You believe that he went to his cousin one day who was baptizing. His name was John the Baptist, the predecessor of Jesus Christ. 
And he said, hey, man, I got to be baptized by you. And John was like, man, I'm not even fit to untie your sandals. He said, let it be so now to fulfill righteousness. And when he goes down into the water out of obedience to his father, he comes back up. The sky opens up. A dove representing the Holy Spirit came down. And God the Father's voice spoke out like the sound of Mufasa in the Lion King and said, this is my son with whom I am well pleased. This moment in history was so important, all of God showed up to it. It's a beautiful thing. And then you believe that that same man, he went into the wilderness for 40 days right after he had bestowed with all of his power and glory on this earth to perform miracles and to fulfill his mission. He goes into the desert for 40 days to get tempted by the devil himself. But he says, man does not live on bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. And he defeats the enemy at his own game. The enemy tries to use the word, but I love that Jesus uses the word because he is the word to combat the enemy. But not only that, you believe that this dude found 12 young adults. Say, hey man, y'all follow me. I ain't got no money. I don't have a house. But y'all follow me. As a matter of fact, it's not even going to be easy. You'll probably die because of it. As a matter of fact, I know for, for a fact you're going to have to pick up a cross if you want to follow me. And he goes around preaching and teaching the good news and declaring the year of the Lord's favor. He opens blind eyes. He heals people that are crippled, that are lame from birth. He literally rebukes demons in his own name and sends them into pigs as those pigs hurtle off of a cliff. The demons are terrified of him. Not only that, not only does he have the, the power to heal, he literally has the power to bring people back to life. That was enough to get the Pharisees so upset that they said, if this man has the power to bring people back to life and everybody's hearing this and knowing this, we must kill him because we do not want him to disturb the power structure that we have created by this religion. They take this man who is innocent, who is innocent. This same man, like, like Jesus did so many amazing things. The Bible says that, that there's not even enough space for them in this book. He walks on water. He feeds, he feeds 5,000, 4,000. He feeds thousands multiple times. And they take this innocent man that they cheered for as he entered into the city while others plotted to kill him. He gets to the city. And he flips over the tables of the, of the money changers and the merchants. He says, my house is a house of prayer, disgusted by everything that he saw happening in his house, he, he, he does what he has to do to purify his house, but he already knows that he is at the end and he has a last supper with his disciples, one of which he prophesies will betray him, which is Judas for 30 pieces of silver. He comes up to him in the garden and he kisses him and then he is taken away by the authorities. He has to stand trial while his apostles scatter like roaches when you turn the lights on. And he goes to the slaughter silently, like a perfect spotless lamb that never opens his mouth. Even the governing body of the time, Rome, Pontius Pilate, says, why? What crimes has this man committed? The government in which we knew Jesus was called to overthrow as a king 
tried to spare him, but the religion of the day did not want to see it so. And this man, Jesus, he gets 39 lashes on his back because if he had gotten one more, he'd have died before he ever made it to the cross. That was typical Roman torture. They put a crown of thorns on his head, and he had to walk a tree up a hill called Golgotha with no strength left in his body. The place of the skull is what they called it, and he is stretched out on a cross with nails in his hands and feet, a pierced side as a billboard to any other criminal or any other violator that if you do what this man did, you will meet the same fate. He was hung between two criminals knowing that he was innocent. And because he did not just take sin away, Jesus in that moment became sin. For he that knew no sin became sin for us so that in him we will become the righteousness of God. Because he became sin, his heavenly father, who he was part of the Godhead, looked down from heaven but could not even look at him. For the eyes of God cannot look upon iniquity. So he cannot like, look upon his son who was sin in the moment. He dies on the cross. He's buried in a tomb. They roll the stone in front of it. And for three days, he goes down into the depths of hell and makes a public spectacle of the devil himself while snatching the keys of death, hell, and the grave once and for all so that death and hell would not have a hold on you and me. But I love him. He may have put him in the tomb on a Friday, but Sunday was coming and finally Sunday came and that stone was rolled away and our Lord and Savior Jesus got up when they went to look for him. He was not there because he had risen and there was proof of his rising because he showed up to his disciples and they could still see the nail scarred hands and feet of Jesus and he looked at Thomas and said stop doubting and believe and he walked the earth for 40 days and performed more miracles and finally he stood on a hill and he looked at his disciples he says now I must go to prepare a place for you but go into the city and wait on the gift that my father has for you and he ascended up to heaven and today he sits at the right hand of the father advocating for you and me because when he said it is finished the work of salvation was done in Jesus name that's what you believe you believe all of that you believe that Jesus ascended to heaven like the Jordan jump man symbol you believe in the empty tomb you believe in the resurrected Savior let me ask you a question if you believe everything I just told you how much of a stretch is it for you to believe in the Holy Spirit? I just told you God turned himself into a baby, put him in somebody else's stomach, performed miracles, died, rose again, and sits back up in heaven with himself. How much of a stretch is it for you to believe that the Holy Spirit is real, that he lives in you to empower you to help you fulfill your purpose. How much of a stretch is that really? You see, the spirit is not meant to scare you. It's meant to support you and empower you on this journey through life. I'll say that again because I, I, like, I think some people are like, oh, the spirit take a hold of me. I ain't going to be able to control myself. I'm going to be flipping and doing them crazy dances that they be doing in church. And I'm going to say, 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 I'm going to say
That's not what the Spirit is going to... It's not what it's going to do to you. And yes, I do believe in speaking in tongues, and we'll get to it later in this series. That's not what the Spirit is going to do to you, though. The Spirit is not meant to scare you or frighten you or weird you out. It's meant to support you and empower you on your journey through life. You know the Greek word for spirit is pneuma. Doesn't that word sound familiar to you? Pneuma. It refers when we say that, you know, humans are uh, uh, body, mind, and spirit, when we say stuff like that, your body is that. It's, it's your physical body, but then um, your, your, your mind or your soul, your soul is where your thoughts and your personality and all of that stuff, all that stuff is, that is uniquely you, that is your soul. But then the spirit or the pneuma it refers to the part of man that connects and communicates directly with God. That is your spirit. The spirit is what has given you life. For before the spirit entered in you, you were nothing more but dust and clay. But the spirit of the most high God was breathed into you. And our consciousness comes from the spirit of the Most High God. When Galatians said that the flesh and the spirit are at odds with one another, your flesh wants to do what's comfortable for your flesh. Your spirit comes from God, so it wants to do everything that is contradictory to your flesh. So your pneuma is God's consciousness. It's, it's like your conscience. When you say, let your conscience be your God, let the Holy Spirit speak to you, right? Because your flesh wants to do everything that neglects the spirit of the most high God. Your flesh wants to please your physical part, which will go away, but your soul that will be here forever, your spirit is here to protect that. It's here to protect your eternity. And I love it because that word pneuma in the Greek, it literally means that which is breathed. That which is breathed. So when we say medical terms like Pneumonia, pneumonia's root is pneuma, that which is breathed. So what does pneumonia do? Pneumonia fills up your lungs with fluid and stops you from breathing. Stops you from breathing. Pneuma, pneumonia, it affects the way that you breathe. And here's what I've realized. The longer I go in this faith and the, the longer culture is king and the more we live on social media and the more we get brainwashed by all the nonsense out there that says church is this and the spirit is weird, the more, the more I live in these what I call and I know to be the last days, I have found that too many people are struggling to live through life because they have spiritual pneumonia. They're living a life that is literally taking their breath away. People have forgotten how to breathe in God's presence because we want to be practical. That spiritual stuff is too weird. I need you to keep it real, Pastor. Your breath is, a, is as real as it gets. You can't live without it. And this pneuma 
is not just something that we encounter in an upper room in Acts chapter 2 in the New Testament. Numa did not start there. It goes all the way back to the beginning. The breath that is within you, God's consciousness, that which is breathed, we don't just find in the New Testament. It's found in the Old Testament. It has been here before time itself began, and it has had a significant impact on us from the beginning. Two things, and we'll get out of here. The first is the Spirit has been here. God ain't new to this. <laughs> the Spirit has been here. Look at Genesis from the very first passage of the Bible. Genesis 1, 1 and 2. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep and the Spirit, underline that, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. That word Spirit translated in the Hebrew is Ruach, Ruach, Ruach in the Hebrew. And the interesting thing about Ruach is the definition, I love this, it means, it means breath, air, and wind. So when you see that the spirit is hovering over the water, what you are seeing is that the wind, the air, the breath of God was here before everything else was already here. That's why I said he breathed the world. He spoke the world. Let there be light. Spoke the world into existence. His breath was here before anything else was. Here's why I love the word ruach, and I love, um, I, I love the way that, that, that Hebrews put words together. Because when you say that word ruach, everybody do this. I want you to breathe in and say, not let it out, say, do it again, say, don't turn towards your neighbor and do it, especially if you ain't take no gum, because they'll never come back to church again. Say, y'all hear what I'm saying? They spell this word phonetically in such a way that when you breathe, you are actually saying the word. <sighs> See, the thing about breath is you don't pay attention to it because it's something that you subconsciously do for survival. So I'm exaggerating it so you can hear it. You know what God is trying to show us? That his spirit in us is as natural as breathing. His spirit in us is as natural as when we breathe. This series is entitled Breathe because I want to take all the taboo off of the Holy Spirit and I you are changed. Some people are looking for evidence in a backflip when they should be looking in evidence for the way they breathe. 
The evidence, the evidence is not just in the tongues. The evidence is not just in the miracles. The evidence is in the bread of life. Spirit, God lives in you. Why are you scared of the thing that God put in you to give you life? It should be as natural to you as breathing. It doesn't have to, like when you're breathing, you don't force it. Maybe when you get tired or exasperated, but normally, you don't think about it. It's just something that you do that is necessary for life. Life with the Spirit should be like breathing. You can't truly live without it. So what does the life of David have to do with everything that I just said? Because when we started out, we read a verse about David. What does his life have to do with the power of the Holy Although David was a man that made many mistakes, I mean, he had a guy killed so he could be with his wife. He was a terrible father. Most of his children wanted to kill him. David was a terrible dude in the world standard. And he made a lot of mistakes. But his unwavering love towards God and his service to him resulted in God making this promise to David. In 2 Samuel 7.16, he says, Your house and your kingdom will endure forever before me. Your throne will be established forever. How does a guy that makes that many mistakes get his throne established forever? And we know that Jesus is the line of the tribe of Judah. So David's throne was established permanently through Jesus. And the church said, Amen. How is a guy with so many screw-ups get to have his throne established forever. You got to understand with David, like he was just destined to win. David was a winner. So how did David overcome all of his failures in life to end up a winner? I believe Acts chapter 13 has the answer. Let's read it together. Acts 13, 22. After removing Saul, he made David their king. He is God. God testified concerning him. I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. Underline this. He will do everything I want him to do. He will do everything I want him to do. Why was David the one that God chose? What was it about David? Because David will do everything that God wanted him to do. Good, bad, or indifferent. Even if he messed up, got it right, got it wrong, he was always going to do everything that God wanted him to do. So God filled him with power. Why? Did God give David power for power's sake? No. God did not give David power for power's sake. He gave him power for purpose sake. He was filled with the power of the Holy Spirit for a purpose. I need somebody to understand this. Look at 1 Samuel 16, 13. That's how you know that David was filled with the Spirit. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that Spirit of the Lord, he didn't just have the Spirit of the Lord to outshine his brothers. He didn't just have the Spirit of the Lord to be a better shepherd. He had the Spirit of the Lord because he was filled with the Holy Spirit for a purpose. Why is this important? Because 
I love that line from this day on that we find in 1 Samuel. You don't see it anywhere else in the Bible as it pertains to the Holy Spirit in a human, where it says, from this day on. Why is it important? Because until this moment in history, the work and the power of the Holy Spirit on a, a man's life was episodic. What does that mean? It came on when it needed to, it left when it wasn't being used. David comes along and changes things. But before that, historically, and I can show it to you in your Bible, the Holy Spirit will come upon somebody, it would empower them for a task, and then when the task was done, the Holy Spirit would leave. So, well, where's the evidence, man? Give me some, give me some Bible. It would rush upon a person for them to complete God's agenda, and then it would leave them. Numbers 11, 24, 25. This was one time that happened in the life of Moses. So Moses went out and told the people what the Lord had said. He brought together 70 of their elders and had them stand around the tent and spoke with him and he took some of the power of the spirit that was on him and put it on the 70 elders when the spirit rested on them they prophesied but they did not do so again came left look at samson oh it happened to him multiple times y'all think samson was just a strong man because he was up in la fitness no <laughs> judges 14 6 the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him so that he tore the lion apart with his bare hands as he might have torn a young goat. Judges 14, 19. The Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him and he went down to Ashkelon, struck down 30 of their men. Judges 15, 14. As he approached Lehi, the Philistines came towards him shouting, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him. The ropes on his arms became like charred flax and the bindings dropped from his hand. The spirit of the Lord wouldn't have had to keep coming on him if it had stayed. You can read that time and time again in Samson's life. Every time he does a miraculous feat, the Bible says, the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. Wasn't just him. Happened to Saul, king before David. 1 Samuel 10.10. When he and his servant arrived at Gibeah, the, profession of the procession of prophets met him. The Spirit of God came powerfully upon him, and he joined in their prophesying. 1 Samuel 11.6. When Saul heard their words, the Spirit of God came powerfully upon him, and he burned with anger. If the Spirit was there, it would not have to have keep, kept showing up. It would have just been there the whole time. But it continually comes upon people as they need it to do what God has called them to do. But something different happened with David. But David is not like any of these men. See, in context of David, the Scripture tells us, from that day on, the Spirit was with him. David is a type and shadow, a foreshadowing of who Jesus Christ was. And he represents a change in the way that God wanted to use his Spirit to pour it out on all of us. I love it because God uses his Spirit through us to accomplish a goal. And here's how I, you say, well, how do you know that the Spirit stayed with him? Because 
There's a prayer that I pray every day out of Psalms 51.10. But if you don't read verse 11, you don't have the understanding to know that David always had the spirit with him. And I'll read it to you. Psalms 51.10.11 says, Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit in me. Look at verse 11. Do not cast me from your presence or take your spirit, take your Holy Spirit away from me. People can only take from you what you already have. He's praying to God. God, I know I'm a screw up. Create me a clean heart, oh God, renew a right spirit me. Please don't take your spirit from me. Please. This is the difference between David and Saul. David had a repentant heart. That's why it didn't matter how many times David messed up. God allowed him to keep the spirit, the Holy Spirit on his life because he was repentant. He was humble. He was not prideful. David was a dude to say, I'm sorry, quick. I want somebody to understand that no matter how many times you messed up, God does not count your mess ups. He counts your humility. David had a repentant heart. He says, don't take your spirit away from me. God was trying to show us that the way he was going to operate with us was going to be different than how he operated with everybody else. And he used David to show us, don't take your spirit away from me. David understood that he had no power without God. He had absolutely no power. So he begs God to allow him to keep the spirit. And I love it because when the spirit of the Lord comes upon you, there is a power that will flow through you, inside of you, and spill out of you. And it will help you at all times. And the difference between us and every person in the is that it will not leave you when you make victories because of the grace of Jesus Christ. We don't deserve it, but he earned it for all of us so his spirit stays with us when we accept him. This is why John 14, 15 through 17 says, if you love me, these are the words of Jesus, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. But here's the best part of that verse. And he will be with you forever. Holy Spirit ain't going nowhere. It's as natural as the breath that you breathe. It's the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. It's a promise of Jesus that when we accept him, his spirit is in us and wants to stay with us forever. Why does he want to be with us? Takes me to my second and final point. Because he's here for a purpose. He's here for a purpose. 1 Samuel 16 10 through 11. Yeah, and I hope y'all come up, man, make this thing sound real spiritual for me. First Samuel 16, 10 through 11. Is this making sense for y'all? Yes. Praise God. Jesus had seven sons pass before sin. Excuse me, Jesse. <laughs> Jesse had seven sons. 
passed before. So he asked Jesse, are, are these all the sons you have? There is still a youngest, Jesse answered. He is tending to the sheep. I love this, man. It, I, I think everything in the Bible is for a reason. He is tending to the sheep. Samuel said, send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. We will not sit down until he arrives. Isn't it funny that Samuel didn't let anybody? You know, you realize who you're standing for? Y'all call him a shepherd, but he's more than that. You better better stay standing. Don't sit down. The best is yet to come. The best hadn't walked in the room yet. Y'all thought y'all was it? No, you better stand for royalty because royalty's about to walk in this room. David comes in to the room, and I, I love this because Samuel says, do not sit until he gets here. I love this because he doesn't let everyone get settled. Until David shows up. Why David? Because David was the only one filled with the power to settle things. Help me, Lord. Go get David. But y'all stand up till he comes. Don't get comfortable. Stay standing. Why David? Bible says David from that day on was filled with power. He's the only one that had the power to settle the situation. And I love it because as I was reading this, the Spirit revealed to me so clearly that there are things that are happening in this world that will remain unsettled until a believer with power steps into the situation. Things are remaining at attention, on high alert. People are all uncomfortable because you haven't walked in the room yet. The person with the power to settle things hasn't showed up. God is looking for believers filled with power to walk into situations that have been unsettled for so long. I love it because there's literally something in this world that is unsettled and it's waiting for you to walk in and settle it. You were created on purpose, by purpose, for a purpose. But let me tell you something, man and woman of God, you cannot settle things unless the power of God is on you. The power of God is on you to settle them. And God is waiting on you. Why? Because he gave you the power to do it. You're waiting on somebody else to do something. You're frustrated in a situation. The reason that you're frustrated, because along with the frustration, God has given you the power to fix it. You wouldn't be frustrated by it if you didn't have something in you that could do something. Spirit is on you. Something is different about you. If you're in a situation right now that's unsettled, 
that's lacking stability, that's aimless, that's directionless, that's without purpose. I don't know about you, but the days and times we live in, I see how unsettled this generation is. All you got to do is look at the news. We got a hashtag for everything. Everybody hashtagging, but ain't nobody helping. You look at the news. It's crazy that because the color of my skin, somebody can walk in the store and shoot me just because of how I look. I can be a target. That's unsettling for me. People passed away that was minding their own business. There were people last week sitting in a church just like this one. And because of the anxiety, the lack of understanding, the fear culture that has been cultivated by our media, because of lack of emotional and mental support, people are living in these fantasy worlds on Facebook cultivating hate groups. And they're walking into places, a pace like this one that we just came to because we were taking our breath away. I don't know about you, but that doesn't leave a settled spirit of feeling in my spirit. This war in the Ukraine, because people are power hungry. They're killing men, woman, and child. Refugees are spread to the four corners of the earth. People lost their way of life because of a madman obsessed with power. That's unsettling to me. Human trafficking, sex trafficking, slavery. You're a, you're a fool if you think it doesn't still exist. Poverty. There's so many, 90% of the world lives below the poverty line. That's not unsettling to you. While we sit here and we mad because we can't put gas in a tank, at least you got food to eat. It's unsettling, man. And we got to be the kind of believers that don't have a settled spirit. But we must have fire in our spirit. Because every problem that I just mentioned can only be fixed by the power of the Holy Ghost. More money ain't going to fix it. Because money without the right heart will only lead to greed and corruption. It's people with the right heart that say, not on my watch. I got something in my spirit that's made to settle things. I'm not just going to let the world be the way it is. I'm not just going to sit back and do nothing because I think the problem is too big. I'm going to do something. If telling people about Jesus is the only answer I got, I'll do it till the day I die. Because Jesus is the one thing that's going to change this world. Hashtags ain't helping. It's not enough to be aware if you don't act. You got to understand that we have the power of the Holy Spirit in us to settle, resolve, solve, clear up, end, fix, work out, set right, rectify, reconcile, 
remedy. We believers in Jesus Christ have the power to be the cure for humanity. When we access the breath of life in us, there is nothing we cannot do. I don't know about you, but I'm not going to just sit idly by knowing that even when I breathe, I emit God's power because he's given me the power to settle things that are unsettled. This last week was an interesting week. Last Sunday we were in here and we worshiped and we loved on each other. People made new friends. We got a word and at the end of it, 23 people got saved. If that don't get you excited, I don't know what will. So, like, I, I live my life for that, man. Like, that's the miracle I always want to see, man. If you never see a miracle, seeing salvation is miracle enough. And I walked in on Monday like, I had, like, a whole new swagger when I walked in the office. Like, 23 battle? Voice start changing octaves when people get saved, man. I get excited about it. I, I, I love that I am... I am probably one of the greatest party promoters in heaven. I throw more parties in heaven than anybody. You know what I'm talking about? Because when people get saved, there's a celebration. I want to always be responsible for the parties that's going on in heaven. So I was excited as people got saved. And as I was walking across the front of our new space, the cool house, we're in Miramar Plaza right off of university. And as I was walking, we got like four doors in the front. And I was walking and something caught my attention when I looked at one of the doors. And it caught my attention so bad I had to back up and I had to take a look again. And when I looked, I saw that there was human feces smeared on the door of the place that we called the cool house. I was like, this, this can't be real. This, this is not. It, nah. Nobody's going to believe me when I talk about this. I know you don't want to see a picture. <laughs> I went into the office and I was like, did anybody? And everybody just put their head down. They was like, yeah, we saw it. By then, staff had already reached out to the landlord, and we alerted them to what was going on. They were just as shocked and appalled as we were that during the night, I guess we shook up so much in the heavenlies, and we shook the gates so, of hell so much on Sunday morning that the devil was really mad, and he was being petty. And on Sunday night, I smear human feces across the front of our, our spot. So we told the authorities, they, they, they cleaned it up, they took care of it, and somebody had cameras, so they found that it was one of the homies. I don't, I don't, I don't call people homeless, man. I call them homies. They're still family. Somebody desperate, somebody needing some, some mental rest and help. 
not only did they do that to us, they broke windows and other properties and somebody caught them on camera. The authorities were called in to deal with it. And I got to speak to one of our uh, Miramar's finest, Miramar PD. And the officer uh, that just happened to be around at the time, I got to talking to her and she was so kind. And I told her, I said, man, you're not gonna believe what happened here. She, and I told her, she was like, yeah, that's pretty bad. He said, but if I could be honest with you, Pastor Wilson, it's not the worst thing I've seen. It's not the worst thing I've seen out here. I've been serving in this community for the last seven years. And I've seen things I don't even want to talk about. From the east to the west, I've seen the craziest stuff. And I realized in that moment, she came to help us in our time of need, but I realized that there was something in me that was unsettled. And she came here for us, but I think, I think God sent her here for us to speak life into her. And, and I said, you mind if I pray with you? And I could see her. She put her head down. She says, I've been doing this for all these years. She said, she said this is only the second time this has happened to me. And it wasn't on this side of town. She said, it never happens on this side of town. And she said, absolutely. And we grabbed hands and we prayed. And I prayed over her. I prayed over her young children. I prayed that she would be safe. I prayed that God would bless as she protects. She said, Pastor, thank you. Here's my number. Take it. Whatever you need. Miramar PD's got your back. Shout out to Miramar PD. I appreciate y'all so much. She said, Pastor. She said something I'll never forget. She said, Pastor. I see your heart, but you got to realize this is the type of neighborhood you win. <laughs> and Ben, our operations director, was there with me. I put a smile on my face. I looked back in her, straight in her eyes, and I said, this is exactly where I need to be. If they're going to wake up in the middle of the night and choose violence, I'm going to wake up in the morning and choose love. If I feel unsettled, there was something about this city that I can't shake. And we've had opportunity after opportunity to go somewhere else and do this church thing. But there's something on my spirit that has not been settled and it ain't settled yet. But I know that God has put the power of the Holy Spirit in you and me. And we can be the miracle in Miramar if we just stand and fight, if we keep on believing, if we keep on praying, if we keep Keep on pushing. If there's something that needs to be settled in this city, I promise you, we gonna be the ones to settle it by the power of the Holy Ghost. If you believe it, say amen. If you're in the middle of a problem, you are the solution in Jesus' name. But you can't do it without the power of the Holy Ghost. And it's not, I'm not saying this to scare you, man. But this battle is not flesh and blood. It's not for the weak. There are things going on in the heavenlies right now that we can't even see. But they're affecting us. They're leaving us unsettled because God has put the power to settle them in each and every one of us. But you can't have access to the power 
if you haven't first accepted his son Jesus. Tell me, man, I got spiritual pneumonia. It's hard for me to breathe. You're going to find it real hard to breathe without Jesus. With every head bowed, every eye closed. I want to have a heart like David. It says, create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. Do not take me from your presence and do not remove your spirit from me. If you're in this place today, you need to know. You say, I want that power, but I got, I got to take the first step. I need Jesus. You don't have to be sick forever. You don't have to have pneumonia forever. Today, if you accept Jesus, you can breathe. But you got to decide that from this day forward that you accept him and you never look back. David knew that when he got anointed, there was no turning back because he was given the power to change things forever. And I'm here to tell you, when you accept Jesus, that power will rest on you, it will rest in you, and it will be in you forever in Jesus' name. If you want to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, maybe you never have, or maybe you have, but you've been running. You feel like you can't breathe. You say, God, I need my, I need my breath back. I need Jesus. I need the Spirit. I need that in me. If you want Jesus as your Lord, I'm not asking you if you need a financial miracle. I'm not asking you if you need a relationship fix. I'm asking if you need Jesus. There's something unsettled in your spirit and it won't be right until you get Jesus. You need Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. On the count of three, here on online, I want you to raise your hand. Don't hold back. Don't wait on somebody else. This power you can only access with Jesus as your Lord and Savior. On the count of three, you need him. One, two, three. Hold it up. Hands up. High enough and long enough for me to see him. I see it. I see it. Uh-huh. I see it. Hallelujah. If your hands up, stand up. If your hands up, stand up. It's already people standing up. If your hands up, stand up. If you already did that much, come down to the altar. Let's pray. Come, come. Don't be scared. Come on. I love it. My man ain't even wait. I love it. I love it. Come, come, come. Maybe you out there, you say, ah, I want to go down, man. I, I, wanna, I, I want that Jesus thing, but it's, it's scary, man. My palms are sweaty and my heart's beating fast. Listen, man, we family. Everybody stand up for me. Everybody stand up. Say, look at your neighbor, say, hey, if you're scared, I'll go with you. If they say, yeah, just grab my hand and walk them down. I just want to make sure. I want to make sure and I'm going to do one more call. I'm going to do one more call. Nothing to be embarrassed about. I just want to make sure get people get Jesus that need them. I want to make sure. Okay. Here's the last call I'm going to make. You say, I know Jesus. And I got him. But there's some things in my spirit that are unsettled. And I need the Holy Spirit to be empowered in me so that I can not just bring awareness to it, so not, not just I, I can just talk about it and make a hashtag. I need the Holy Spirit to empower me for my purpose. Power is not for power's sake. Power is for purpose sake. God wants to fill you so he can use you to do what he's called you to do. 
If that's you, you say, I need the Holy Spirit to empower me for my purpose. Don't raise your hand. Just come down right now. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you right now. Come on. I need the Holy Spirit to empower me for my purpose. Come on. If I was on that side, I'd be at this altar. Because if that's the kind of stuff that's happening in the city, I know that's where I need to be, but I know I can't do it without God. I know I can't do it by myself. I know that. I need the Spirit. I need the Spirit every day like I breathe. You need it every second like you breathe. Like you breathe. I'm going to pray a prayer of repentance for anybody that needs that. And I'm going to ask you to pray that with me. But then after that, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to pray. I'm going to pray that the Spirit falls on you. He's already in. If you've accepted Jesus, the Holy Spirit is the one that makes your heart change. He is in you. But I need you to tap into what's in you. And I need you to use it to change this world. Because it can't just be me. Because I can't do it without you. We can't do it without each other. We got to do it together, empowered by the Holy Spirit. Amen? I want everybody first, because the Bible says that when you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, in Romans 10, 9, and you believe in your heart, he is raised from the dead, you're saved. So we're going to confess and believe for anybody that needs that. And then after that, I'm going to pray that the Holy Spirit empowers you to do what you call to do. So everybody first, repeat after me. Say, Dear Jesus, Dear Jesus, I've sinned. I've sinned. Not proud of it. I'm not proud of but it. I admit it. But I admit it. Today, Today I lay my sin down. I lay my sin down. Take it, I pray. Take it, I pray. I don't want it anymore. I don't want it anymore. I reach to heaven, I reach to, heaven to receive your forgiveness. And take the place of my sin. I ask that you would accept me and to your wonderful family. Your wonderful family. Today, Today, I give my life, I give my life completely to you. To you. I'm, yours, Lord. I'm yours, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. 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 Come on. Come on. We gonna clap because we are responsible for throwing another party. They're throwing one right now. Bible says that when one comes back to the Father, there's a celebration in heaven. <laughs> and usually I would send you out. Let me see that. I told y'all I'm from Carroll City. I got hands. If you made that decision, in a moment, I'll, I'll release you so you can go get one of these. It's a fan tube. It has a Bible, WWJD bracelet, a letter from me and Joe. And if you got questions about the salvation thing or about the Holy Spirit thing, right, you can ask any one of our team. See that sign that says, welcome to the family? In a moment, I'm going to release the people that need to go. But if you came down here for that second call, I want you to stay right here. Don't go anywhere. Because we about to pray. And we about, I, I, found, I figured out something a long time ago with God. Worship unlocks things in the spirit. My prayer is not going to unlock anything in you without your faith. And I, I know you have faith by the way you worship. You, 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 you worship your way into the things that God has called you to. A man's prayer doesn't do it for you. Your faith in Jesus does it. It's your faith in Jesus. Amen? So, real quick, if you made a decision for Jesus, I want to release you right now. And they're going to they're gonna clap louder than they've ever clapped for any human in their life. We're going to clap louder than we did last night when we all had anxiety watching that Miami Heat game. Right? 
So if you made a decision for Jesus and you need to go, you can go right out there, follow Katie, her hands up. Y'all clap right now. One, two, three, go. Right there. We love you. We're proud of you. You're amazing. Thank you so much for tuning in. To hear more messages like this one, please be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel. And if you like what you heard, please consider sharing with your friends and family to be a blessing to their lives as well. Don't forget to connect with us at our website, thecoolchurch.com. And be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at We Are Cool Church. And always remember that you were created out of love.